Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to the radio station CITR. This is Russian Tim, and welcome to this beautiful radio morning. Today on the show, I will play. I will do a preview of the festival, which is called Punk and Drablik, which will take place in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the PNE. Correctly, yes, I hope so. And it will take place on July uh, 13. Uh, this is a Saturday. It will. It will include No Facts, Bad Religion, The Real Mackenzies, Anti Flag, Chicks Dig It, and the last gang it's gonna be super super fun and that's why i will play a song by the band called no effects seeing you at scene double at the triple rock you listen to rocket from russia Hello, hello, you listen to the radio station CITR. This is Rocket from Russia, a weekly punk rock radio show where I play punk rock for you. Makes sense? Correct. Punk rock show, play punk rock, very, very logical uh, advertisement of this radio program. My name is Russian Tim, and like I said in the intro of to the show, today I will do a preview of Punk and Drumplik, uh, Punk in Drablik 2019 Craft Beer and Music Festival festival which will take place in Vancouver on July 13th which is a Saturday at the PNE Amphitheater I don't know how to pronounce this word but you know where it is located uh, the events which will take place in the event no effects bad religion the real McKenzie's anti-flag chicks dig it and the last gang a plus how it says here on uh, the website plus approximately 50 local craft breweries so you can drink beer and listen to punk rock this is pretty much an ideal evening for me we just need to include some football into that um, I'm not sure how football ties in into that kind of festival but it would have been probably then the heaven for me uh, today on the show I will do a preview of the festival and it will be divided in two parts this week and next week. Uh, this week I will play my interview with KJ from the band called Chicks Dig It from Calgary, who obviously will be playing this uh, festival. And uh, next week I will play you an interview with uh, Antiflag. Uh, good. How about we will get right into the first part of my interview with KJ. Uh, they just got back from Japan and I just wanted to get a quick update uh, from KJ how things were in Japan uh, because that country fascinates me and there's uh, I watched them uh, travel on the social media and it looks super super fun so how about we listen to the part one of my conversation with Chicks Dicket Co playing Punk and Drablik Festival after a little bit of music You could your job, scoot you around, scoot you around, scoot you around 
Hi, KG. Welcome to the show. And look, again, you're doing an interview with Tim from Rocket from Russia. And thank you so much for time, uh, finding time to talk to me. It's always my pleasure, Tim. Likewise. Uh, it's funny how we're usually now catching up through the means of interview. Uh, but soon on July 13th, uh, to be precise, we will be able to catch up in person at the Punk in Drablik Festival in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, I can't wait for that. I'm really looking forward to it. But before we talk about Punk and Drablik, I'm really curious about your recent trip to Japan with Chicks Ticket. Uh, thanks to social media, I was able to follow your travels and uh, it looked like very, very super fun and very interesting. Yeah, it was a great tour. Like, uh, yeah, not surprised, but then at the same time, totally surprised. How, how did this all organize? Was it your first time as a band in Japan and uh, how, was, how was the how this whole process worked? Well, uh, it wasn't our first time. Uh, the last time we were there was actually 14 years ago, so um, it had been a while. And uh, so we started talking about this maybe three years ago, and just like timing and circumstances, nothing was working out. And then finally we found a time that kind of worked for everybody because the, the, the touring company we work with, they're like, you know, obviously busy doing other stuff too, so it's just like scheduling stuff and... We didn't. We didn't really have a new record out, so it's kind of like uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's not as much priority when you don't have a record out, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so it took a while to figure it out, and uh, but we did, and and it was awesome. The people that put it on was a a company called Set You Free Booking, and and uh, they did an awesome job, and uh, and the band we toured with, the Social Pistons, were amazing and like you know excellent people. So. It was it was all around. There was actually nothing I can look at about that tour and say, oh, that could have been better or whatever. It was perfect. You mentioned that you didn't have uh, the brand new record, uh, but this isn't correct. You have a brand new 7-inch uh, sp uh, split with the uh, Socho Pistons, the band which supported you. And it features an uh, unreleased song called Yukiko. Could you please tell a little bit story about this song? Is it left over from some session or you recorded specifically for that 7-inch? Um, well, it's we we did a whole bunch of uh, bed tracks when we did 2012. See, uh, some chick stigget magic happened when we recorded 2012. Is we were, we set aside like three days to do the drum track, uh -huh. uh, because, you know, because it was you know we thought we were going to have a lot of trouble with it, and we did it in basically the first full take. Wow. So what what you hear is one take. Uh, us doing yeah so crazy. um we had like two days so we're like we just did every uh you know drum track we knew of at the time um and it was i think t there's like 12 drum tracks uh 12 songs we've been kind of chipping away at but since then we've probably got about 30 more wow. um that we're gonna record so i don't know what we're gonna do we've got lots of songs and uh but yeah, so the drum track and everything is from a long time ago. We, we, uh, and the bass, and then we just redid all the guitars and uh, obviously put some vocals on it. And so Yukiko is uh, part of that. So it's new and old. Yeah, nice. What's crazy about well, the one, band, uh, one track, one drum track, and one take? Another song of the split record is Miso Ramen. Please tell me about your ramen experiences in Japan because I'm honestly interested because I'm I'm a big fan of ramen and I'm curious to see how you found the the local, the proper one. Well, we uh, yeah, I mean, obviously ramen is originally from Japan. For those that you don't know, <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, it's uh, like you know, there's regional ramen. Like each region is kind of you know has their uh, what you know what they're best at, and uh, so we were only in you know three different places. So in uh, in Osaka, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering, but in Osaka we had uh, the whatever they're famous for. I can't remember the name. Anyway, it was good. I'm not a ramen uh, <laughs> sommelier. <laughs> says says but, the uh, man who wrote the song, song about Mr. Ramen. I know that's good enough, right? And I can sit back and let somebody else do the do the uh, research. But uh, yeah, um, but we in, in Osaka we had one like uh, tonkatsu, which was the the pork broth ramen uh, that was incredible. And you know, there's lots of ramen shops in Calgary. Uh, obviously, Vancouver has a bigger Japanese community and better ramen. No offense, Calgary, but Vancouver kind of has that. Um, going for it um and then uh in in tokyo after the last show um 
a friend of ours who actually was the the, the person she put on the Riff Randall, my wife's band, wow. their last their last tour in uh, Japan. So uh, she took me back to the place that the original Miso Ramen song was written about. Really? And so, yeah, we ended the tour there and uh, we had uh, dinner with the social systems there and it was awesome. So that that's that's not uh, Tokyo-based ramen. That's more like a like a Sapporo uh, based ramen. Or the Miso Ramen is, I think, more of a Sapporo thing, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'll just say, like, we didn't have, like, we didn't have one meal that wasn't incredible. Like, it's, I, I'd say that's my favorite country in the world to eat in. Nice. So. Another massive achievement by Chicks Dicket in Japan was that Billy won the legendary Samurai Beer Challenge. Please tell uh, how this record-breaking uh, story happened. Well, it was a, a big deal. Uh, we had no idea this was even a thing. But there was, we had gone for uh, dinner after the show in in Nagoya. And that's another thing. After every show, you go for this giant meal. So, like, you know, first five days, I, w I went a few days earlier just, you know, walk around. And I was getting, like, and I'm not kidding you, like 30,000 steps a day. Just a lot for me. And I'd lost, I just dropped a ton of weight. And then, of course, put it all back on <laughs> with these after-show meals. So, uh, anyway, uh, the... You know, one of the owners of the club we played uh, was showing me, because he was sitting at my table, um, he was showing me how fast he could drink, like, these glasses of beer. And, you know, like, he would drink them in one second or less or whatever. And and uh, so he's like, yeah, I'm the samurai champion. Like, nobody can beat me kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then Billy, who's, like, from the Northwest Territories where they, you know, that's like a kindergarten activity is drinking <laughs> beer. Um you know, in under a second. So anyway, uh, yeah, Billy's like, oh, okay. He, he Billy's like, I don't know if I can beat this guy. And then Billy beat him, and he was like undefeated for the, his whole life. You know, like, and uh, so uh, there was definitely some surprise. The uh, people, nobody more surprised than me, because I was like, wow, I didn't know Billy had it in him. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's one of the great uh, greatest achievements I bet in the history of Chicks Dig It. This is massive. Oh man. <laughs> It is for sure, no question about it. So, and uh, yeah, we definitely uh, he, he, every five minutes after that happened, he's like, "Hey guys, I'm the samurai champion." <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, and he has all the bragging rights and well deserved. Yeah, well, for sure, you know, got to give him that. Yeah, and every time, of course, we saw some kind of reference to samurai. Like you can imagine, there's a few of them in Japan. Uh, he's like, "Oh, hey, there's me over there," you know. Like so anyway, but good for Billy. We're proud of him. When I'll see him in in Vancouver, I'll definitely refer to that story so, to make him proud and you know feel the championship weight. Or or maybe uh, challenge him. <laughs> I, ma I imagine there's a, a couple samurais in Russia. Maybe? Well, and then the difference will be: I'll be drinking vodka, and he will be drinking beer, and I'll win. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Stuff you can't buy at the store We did 
Hello, 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 you're listening to the radio, radio station CITR, this is Rocket from Russia, this is Russian Tim, and today on the show I am doing a preview of Punk and Drug Festival, which will take place in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, on July 13th at the, um, at the Pini Amphi uh, Theater. I just played you two songs by the band called Chicks Dig It, uh, those two songs from the uh, their, uh, their split with the band called Socho Pistons, uh, the band which supported them on their J- the Japanese tour, which we just uh, talked about with KJ, and the opening track was Yukiko, and then the song about ramen, which is called Miso Ramen. Great, great. Let's keep listening to the part two. Uh, we still talked a little bit about um, the... Uh, the Japan trip, but then we obviously had to mention the uh, Punk and Drabble Festival because that was kind of the reason why we were both asked to do this interview. Let's do it. This is part two of my interview with KJ from the band called Chicks Dig It, who are playing Punk and Drabble Festival on July 13th at the PNE Amphitheater. You listen to Rocket from Russia. KJ, the Japanese people are very, very polite and like they're known for their politeness and I heard the talk spoke to bands which go there and play shows and they are very impressed how people react to live music there. You're known for a very, very tongue-in-cheek and very humorous approach to the to, to the public. How did that aspect work out? Did did they were like did they were getting the whole the whole the whole chicks digger thing? But you know, and, and you know, just like ramen, I think uh, and it's kinda like Canada too, like where there's certain regions in Canada you know where people are a little bit uh, funnier. I would say, you know, and and uh, like I would say, people in Saskatchewan, for instance, have a certain like you can tell someone's from Saskatchewan by their sense of humor, like in a split second, you know. And so uh, the further south you go in Japan, the, like the kind of a little bit more uh, sarcastic and funny they are. So I think it translated better in Osaka. You know, and as we came up north, it was more like just play the fucking songs as many as you can play, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, like you have to kind of gauge the audience every night. You know, like every show, every night we try to make it different. And uh, so we, um, yeah, the, the shows in Osaka were a little bit more laid back and funny and drunk. Whereas as we got further north, we had to kind of uh, learn the songs. Although at one point, in Osaka, I'd seen a post online. Somebody said, said that, you know, they, they were a little bit sloppy. And it's like, yeah, we're fucking hammered, <laughs> you know. And we're Chicks Dig It. It's not like if you want a perfect rendition of a Chicks Dig It song, you can listen to the record. But we're Chicks Dig It, and it's a totally different thing than the albums. You know what I mean? We're going to make lots of mistakes, but that's part of the fun for us. <laughs> Um, okay, this interview originally was supposed to be about promoting Punk and Drublik, and uh, we're just talking about Japan trip. So let me ask a couple of questions about the upcoming festival. After we finish sure. th- this interview, I will talk to Pat from Antiflag, and I'll ask him a question. How they maintain those relationships with Tetra Accords, even they're not on the label for 15 years? And he will probably say something along, along the lines that they still see each other at the festival, they still kept the friendship, and they still, you know, release the music. You're quite opposite. You're currently a Fetra band. But you don't really play that many shows with specifically Fetra Accord bands. You play, play occasionally, but not like them all the time, like at festivals and actually touring with those bands. How does it yeah. feel for you to be at those Fetra events? Do you still feel that the part of the family and the friendship as- aspect, or there are too many like new bands and younger bands which you don't really know? Well, I, can, I you know, yeah, we feel definitely part of the family, and yeah, I think we, you know, we have like been lucky like extremely lucky um and you know i can't explain it myself but we've been friends with all those people for a long time and you know we love them and and they've just been so good and kind to us you know especially mike you know um you know not to single one person up but you know mike and aaron like they have just supported us over the years it's crazy and and you know that's the thing that makes fat special is they let you handle your band they're not telling you hey, you need to do this, hey, you need to do that, or anything, you know, it's just, you do the band you want, and, you know, and and that's, uh, I think, that's what's, you know, uh, kept us going, because, you know, we've got, you know, day jobs, we've always had day jobs, some of us have had the same jobs since the band started, i.e. me, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, um, and we have families, so it's like, we've, like, they've just let us do our thing, and it's awesome, and, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it other than, you know, we love it. And in terms of new bands, I think, you know, I, I love all the new bands that they're putting out. And, you know, we're meeting them slowly. 
like you said, we don't get out as often <laughs> as everybody else. And, and uh, you know, a big reason why these bands get picked is because they are great people, you know, and that, you know, in addition to being fantastic bands too. So I think that's a huge part of it is I think they, they pick people that they're friends with, you know, so, yeah, that's or that they know they will be friends with. Yeah, exactly. Like I just saw Swinging Others recently and um, saw Jack. Remember when we when we hang out with him when Tour Guitar and Jack Ziggit play at the same night and he was saying the same thing. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, how's it? Like, I'm, I'm talking to KG soon. I'm seeing him and he's like, oh, yeah. So it's like even like, you know, through little introductions like that, it's still like uh, like you don't really know each other. But because you both are part of the fat family, it's kind of like already. OK, we have to be friends kind of kind of idea. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's kind of that, uh, you know, it's i don't know what it is but you know i think you know they've kind of been uh vouched for by people who i really trust when it comes to that kind of thing and i think you know maybe that's the way they feel too but uh yeah it's it's funny you know like we were just uh in you know in japan obviously we just talked about and, and i met jughead from screeching weasel and you know i'd never seen or really I'd never listened to Screeching Weasel, to be honest with you. They were just were never a thing out here uh, in Calgary, you know, when they were around. And But I finally met Jughead, and, you know, we've been on the same label for different times for many years, you know, and and uh, never met him, you know. And, and everybody at the show was just like, you guys have never met? Yeah. Like, you haven't been hanging out at the pop-punk uh, lounge in the airport, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know. And, but... It, but yeah, and we hit it off, you know, and and uh, but it's no surprise. Well, yeah, that's great. Yeah, actually, I was gonna, I, I want to listen to that interview because it sounds like interesting. Like you know, you both from the same area, you've been for this time. So yeah, so for everyone to check out, check out Jugshead's podcast. There's a recent KJ interview. One more uh, thing is uh, just to wrap up the interview. You mentioned that there are four, so you said thirty songs in in the work. Could you please tell a little bit about the? Um, nearby future for Chicks Dig It because I know like you know it's hard to plan uh, with, with such a big project but uh, tell us a little bit more about maybe a new album yeah I think we've been working on it forever and just trying to figure out a time and then right when we were kind of getting close to that uh, you know two of the guys just had babies so there's infants and it's kind of like let's just wait a little while and you know we have uh, like a pretty small uh, child as well and so it's it's really tough getting shit finished, but uh, like the songs are there, and it's just kind of like waiting uh, for when uh, when we can all kind of do it, and it has to feel right, you know, and um, you know, because we're doing this because we love it, and you know, we're really careful to not do things that will make us not love it. So I think, uh, yeah, it, there's at least thirty songs coming in, uh, you know, in some form. So we'll have to figure it out and you know but you know at the same time you know it's like hey let's uh, spend july and let's finish up some of these songs and it's like oh well, these shows have come up oh hey you guys want to do japan you know it's those kind of things that yeah. kind of get in the way but you know they're super fun so you know i don't know it's it's uh, it's gonna happen at some point but i don't know how I'm very, very excited to hear the songs eventually and to see you in Vancouver on July 13th at the Punk and Republic Festival. This is going to be very, very fun. Awesome. Me too. Uh, looking forward to hanging out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, KJ. Thanks for your time. Okay, see you, buddy. Take care, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. So that was my interview with uh, KG from Chicks Dig It, uh, who will be playing the Punk and Jumblick Festival. Obviously not only them, no effects, bad religion, The Last Gang, uh, Anti-Flag, and The Real Mackenzie's will be playing as well. I have a ticket a pass to give away to that uh, event. So if you would like to go to see that event, you can call in 604-822-2487, 604-822-2487, and you can go see the Punk and Jumblick Festival on July 13th at the P. Amphitheater. While you're dialing the numbers, I will play you a song by Chicks Diggit, which is called You're Pretty Good. You're listening to Rocket from Russia. We just finished the show and we're sweating through our clothes, yeah. Well, then I met this kid, gave this version of a compliment. He said, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. You're pretty good. We're awesome. Are you kidding? 
Hello, hello, hello. This is Rocket from Russia. My name is Russian Tim. And uh, oh, somebody's calling in again. Sorry, my friend, you're a little bit late. I'll t- try calling in a little bit later, hopefully. Uh, yeah, good. Okay, yeah, so that was Chicks Digger that you're pretty good. What a great song from the album called uh, Pink Racers. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to the second part of the show where I will preview the show which is happening on Saturday, June 29th at the uh, SBC restaurant. That's a legendary band called DOA. They will have a release party uh, for their new album called 1978. Uh, this is a brand new uh, compilation which came out this year, uh, which uh, features a whole bunch of unreleased demos, uh, rare tracks, uh, and uh, early singles from uh, Canadians, uh, the most legendary uh, punk rock band. Um, uh, this uh, it includes 21 track and like I said there's some songs which have never been heard before there's some I think six songs uh, which never heard been before and obviously the different version like demos of the classic hits um, of this album uh, the the show they will work in that way that uh, Joey uh, will uh, do uh, a solo set and it uh, will be also uh, includes a, a spoken word part so I hope Joey, Joey will tell some uh, crazy stories from back in 1978 and uh those years and also they invited my band to play and we will be opening up i don't closing the show we'll play after joey and it will be uh, should be fun so joey shithead with a solo set uh spoken word and russian tim and pyro bless will play on saturday at the um uh doa 1978 release party show how about we'll listen to a couple of tracks i decided to play for you a couple of tracks which were like there's six unreleased uh songs on that compilation and i'll play a couple of songs for you we'll start with a song called no God, no war. You listen to Rocket from Russia. This is a preview of 1978 release party on Saturday uh, at SBC.
Hello, you listen to the radio station CITR, and this is weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket From Russia. I just played you four songs by the band called DIOA, the legendary Canadian punk rock band, uh, from their brand new release called 1978, which includes a whole bunch of uh, unreleased uh, songs, uh, six of them, uh, some demos and some unheard versions. I played you four songs, which are from uh, from those out uh, non-release songs, uh, No God, No War, Rip Disjoint, Bored and Suicidal, and the last track you heard was called The Mutant. And right now on air have the legendary uh, Joey Kifley, the leader of the uh, DOA. Joey, thank you so much for finding time to talk to me, and thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Yeah, how are you doing today? Life is great. How are you? Good, good. Really good. Let's do the preview of the show, which is happening on uh, Saturday at the SBC, where you will be presenting uh, 1978, this brand new compilation, which obviously came out on your uh, label, Sudden Death. And... uh, could you please tell a little bit the story? How how come you decided to release those all those tracks right now? Did you find a new box in your some garage which had all that stuff, or was it all planned? Could you please tell a little bit the story? Yeah, I, I thought that. Uh, um, well, I ran into an old engineer uh, that worked at Low Mountain Sound, and uh, uh, like August last year, we did a show and on the island, and he was uh, mixing the sound. And he gave me this uh, CD that had their, with um, had the data on it, right, uh, of these tracks that had never come out before, like uh, The Enemy and Rip This Joint. And uh, I thought, okay, well, this would be pretty good, useful. I'd been thinking about it for a while. I knew the tracks were around, but I just didn't have them. And then, uh, you know, and then after Randy uh, Rampage uh, passed away last August and um, they had his funeral, like, in September, I thought... Well, this would be like um, kind of a fitting tribute to all the guys that passed on, like Brad and 
Wimpy and Dave and Randy and uh, a few others, uh, Ken Jensen, of course, um, that, you know, to get the tracks that they had been uh, involved in and stuff like that. Uh, and I just thought, well, you know, it just kind of made sense. It took me ages to come up with the title. And I thought, <laughs> well, we started in 1978. That seems pretty self-explanatory to me. Right? So. <laughs> Um, could you please talk a little bit about those unreleased songs? There are six of them on, on this release. I listened to them. Those are great tracks. Why didn't they make it uh, to, to the proper albums uh, back in the day? Because yeah, they're that's great. that's a really good question. Um, the, the one, the last track you played, The Mutant, I think it's hilarious. It's like really funny. And uh, we recorded it, Chuck, Randy, and I, and uh, um, we went, ah, ah, that doesn't cut it. It was one of those things where like, ah, forget about that song. So and we kind of sitting around for a while, and then the, the other one I liked that you said you just played was uh, No God, No War, which yeah. is, so I thought, okay, yeah, that's a really uh, cool track, right? And uh, um, it was just done as a demo. You can hear the kind of the end. Uh, we didn't really have it organized. Everybody's kind of ending at a different time type thing, right? <laughs> which is, uh, to me, uh, that, that's part of the charm of it, I think, right? So and um, so I just thought, like, uh, uh, you know, get them out there because it, it's, like, fresh. And it's also, I think it really um, speaks to that era. Uh, you know, when people were making records, punk rock records, and uh, it wasn't too prefabricated. People weren't using Pro Tools. You just recorded kind of live what you did, right? And then, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, some personnel changes and stuff like that within the band or people arguing. That's probably the reason why the tracks didn't come out, like because uh, Chuck and I would argue constantly about which songs were good and uh, which weren't, and then Randy would kind of go along with the flow. Like, you go, okay, I'm I'm okay with anything. He's <laughs> one of those kind of guys, right? But Chuck and I were very argumentative. Hello? Yeah, yeah, still, I'm still oh, here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, perfect, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the event which will take place on Saturday at the uh, Smiling Buddha Cabaret. I like how you, in the email to me, said uh, you just called it Buddha because, like, this is the place where, like, you know, back in the day you used to play. For us, it's now <laughs> called SBC. So, like, you know, it's it's yeah. it's funny how those two, like, generations uh, match up. Uh, talk a little bit about the event because you will be doing a solo set and a spoken word. I'm really hoping to hear some uh, crazy studies from 1978. Yeah, I started working on the stuff last night. I mean, I know the story, so it doesn't take a lot of rehearsal or anything like that. So um, what, I, what I'm doing on Saturday uh, before uh, your band plays, which will be, I'm really looking forward to that, um, is uh, kind of combining songs. I have my electric guitar, and I'm just going to put some DOA songs in there. Kind of have the origin of where they came from, and I'm just playing old ones that came from that kind of era, you know, like 78 to 8, 1980 or whatever, right? And... Uh, um, yeah, so the story's definitely involved uh, stuff with the, you know, I got beat up and uh, choked unconscious by the banker police and uh, thrown into a paddy wagon and arrested uh, at the Buddha and uh, stories about how it's set up and then stuff like that. Uh, I remember going to the very first show and um, Ian Tiles, who drums for the Point Six, but he had uh, um, um, another band then called Victorian Pork and... Uh, uh, let's just say, I'll tell you, the story will be on Saturday night, but we kind of broke the place in, so to speak, right? So, <laughs> like, and various characters that caused trouble there, like Simon Snotface and whatever, you know, good, good, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, shall we say, right? So. That's going to be great. And and like I said, the event is happening at the Smiling Buddha Cabaret SBC. Uh, I'm, sure, have you, I'm sure you've been to the, to the new version of that. How different is the new version from the original one? Yeah, well, I really like what they've done with the skate ramp. I think that's great. It's fantastic. Uh, um, is but the the interior is so different because where the the ramp goes back a, like a long ways, and you know the, currently you can have the stage up front, you know, for a smaller show, um, like at the beginning of the ramp, or you can have it at the back where the actual stage is. Where the stage is now, that used to be the kitchen, right? So, and uh, I remember I was I was up on stage drumming one night with some. Some band, uh, we used to call them fuck bands because we'd all change instruments and just play songs that we kind of knew, kind of didn't know type thing. And uh, um, also, I'm sitting there drumming, all of a sudden, this big, uh, the back wall caves in on me from the kitchen, like <laughs> where the escape ramp is now. And it's uh, Simon Snotface has crashed through the wall on top of me and the drums. So I picked up the 4 by 8 uh, piece of plywood and chased him around the club with that type thing um, to try and extract some revenge, right? So. <laughs> It's the cast of characters was really different because when we first went there, um, it, there would be like six people in the audience, right? Uh, and uh, that previously, and you know, there'd be like two cops, uh, two guys that were drunk, and uh, you know, that was kind of the audience, right? Uh, and uh, 
Um, when Lashman saw that 40 punks wanted to come down and pay a dollar fifty, uh, Lashman was the original owner, uh, him and his wife Nancy, um, pay a dollar fifty for a beer. Uh, he was blown away. Like he'd never had business like that in his life, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was like it was the toughest place in town. Like when we w- went to go play there, like a friend of mine uh, said, "Oh, you guys need a gig. You should play at the Buddha." I go, "Are you kidding? People get stabbed in there every night, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, was like kind of an exaggeration. But um, in any case, uh, yeah, it was legendary, and that's kind of like. Uh, uh, I grew up in Burnaby, but we moved down to the Lower East Side and like all the early shows and all all the punks that from that moved in from Burnaby and Surrey and stuff like that that formed the early scene. We all hung in. We all lived within a half a mile of that place, so it was kind of like our go-to, like pre-war every night, you know. Wow, this is cool. I really look forward to hearing more of those stories on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you. And this is going to be great on Saturday at the SBC. Yeah. Yeah, doors at seven. Um, you know, and I think I'm on at a ten, uh, and you guys are on at eleven. Just uh, so it's like it's not really a late show; it's like relatively early. Perfect. Okay. And there will be uh, like the listening party for the 1978, which will yeah, be yeah, of course, and the poster show. I've got about a hundred posters out uh, from those days. Yeah, that this, people can see. this is yeah. cool. This is cool. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Joe, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Okay. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. So if you want to hear more of those stories and hear um, some uh, electric guitar versions of the early DOA songs, you can do that on Saturday at the SBC, June 29th. This is it. Thank you so much for listening. You Do Your Radio coming right after this. And I would like to finish a song, uh, the show with another song by DOA with their classic super hit, which is called The Prisoner. Thank you so much. This was Rocket from Russia, and this is DOA, The Prisoner. Bye-bye. Everybody around here really a bunch of whips 